Welcome to the Journey Church Podcast, where as a church, we believe that Jesus should be accessible to anyone. So if you're at home, work, or somewhere in between, you can have access to the weekend worship experience. We'd love for you to stay connected with us by visiting us at journeyorl.com or any social media platform using at journeyorl. Thanks for being with us, and we really hope you enjoy this message. If you have a Bible, you can open it to the book of Jeremiah, chapter 29, verse 11. If you don't have a Bible, you can download it. If you don't want to download it, it's on the screen behind me. So if you got a paper Bible or a glow-in-the-dark Bible, they both work just fine. Jeremiah 29, 11. It is one of the most recognizable, one of the most famous, one of the most quoted scriptures in, uh, in, I think, in Christian history. But I will also argue today that it is one of the most misinterpreted, misconstrued, and mistaught passages in the Bible. And it goes like this. If you've been in church for any amount of time, you recognize it. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Now, I want to just take a moment to emphasize there, if we can go back to I know. The verse says, I know, and this is God speaking. So the implication is, I know you don't. Sometimes in life, it seems like things are not going according to plan. You hit your 20s, you look back at where you are. At your 20s, you go, this is not according to plan. Then you hit your 30s, and you go, this is not according to plan. And sometimes you hit 40s, you go, this is not according to plan. But one of the good things to know, one of the, the, the moments of rest and peace that you have in your life is when you say it's not going according to plan, my question is, whose plan? Because even though it's not going according to your plan, here's the good news. Life is never not going according to God's plan. How many people can rest in that? You can never, ever mess up God's plan. He's too big. He's too big. So I I just have that peace knowing that I am not big enough to mess up God's plan. Amen. Plans. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope. And I don't know why I love these two words so much, but I do. A future. How many people can use a future right now? I don't know why it resonates with me. I think because most of the day, I'm either thinking about two things, the pain of my past or the pressure of my present, that I often don't even have time to accept the fact that there might be a future for me. And God says, as much pain that is in your past and as much pressure that is in your present, I want to stir up your faith for a future. There is something, this is a good word for somebody right now, there is something beyond yesterday and there is something beyond today. That is good. It's a future. The title of today's message is going to seem like it doesn't belong, but I promise you it'll make sense in a moment. I want to speak to you on the topic of the missing ingredient. The missing ingredient. Uh, There is no doubt that it has not uh, slipped your attention that some props have been brought up on stage here. And these props are to help me set a metaphor for the church. The Bible introduces many different metaphors for the church. One of them is the body of Christ. I like that, the body of Christ, because what it means is that the pinky toe 
pinky toe different than the big toe, and the big toe is different than the nose hair, and the nose hair is different than the eyeball, but they're all important, and they all have a place in the body. One could even argue that the parts of your body that you don't see are actually the most important. I can live without a pinky toe. Can't live without a heart. I'm just saying, don't be fooled by my presence on this pulpit as my existence as the most important person in this body. Just because you see me doesn't mean I'm vital. There are other people, like our prayer team, right behind that curtain over there, that is interceding for this service right now that you don't see, that is breaking chains in the spiritual realm right now. There's people dressed in black who secretly brought up the props just so you wouldn't see them that made this happen. I love the people in church you don't see because they're the ones that keep us alive. Another metaphor for the church is not just the body of Christ, but the bride of Christ. And I just simply because God loves us. But there's another metaphor that I would like to introduce. It's, it's technically not in the Bible, but I think the reason why it's not in the Bible is because God didn't want to use a metaphor that wasn't alive. So he chose the body and the bride because those are living. He didn't want to call the church a place because this isn't a place. This is a living, breathing organism of people. But I'm going to break the rules and I'm going to call it a place because I think we've got the body of Christ. I think we've got the bride of Christ. But if we think about it, I think church can also be called the kitchen of Christ, where God is the head chef. Yeah. <laughs> it, it broke. Three services, it almost made it. It's OK. It's OK. Yeah, I know you. It's, this isn't hell's kitchen. This is heaven's kitchen. Amen. <laughs> Devil. Anyway, so. I think it'd be called, uh, uh, you know, the kitchen of Christ, because sometimes um, God in church, sometimes uh, there's a lot of breaking that goes on in church. Like, you want to just show people the outside of you, because the outside of you is clean and white and shiny and, and pure, but God doesn't really want your outer persona. He really don't want the version of you that everybody sees. What he really wants to do is break you so that he can get to what's inside of you. Because what's on the outside might be pretty, but what's on the inside is what's useful. I'm just saying some of y'all are hiding your testimony because it's nasty and sticky and icky. So you come to church looking all pretty, but God can't use pretty. So sometimes he has to break past the pretty because sometimes you got an ugly cry in church. Sometimes you got to let people know, hey, I've been broken, but what's on the inside of me is what feeds others. Stop running away from your testimony. It's the part of you that God needs you to share with others. Love it. I love that sometimes God is like a kitchen because in church, in church, he'll do some mixing, but he'll mix things that don't typically go together. Like he'll mix a little bit of salt and he'll mix a little bit of sugar. And you would think that that doesn't go together, but sometimes the flavor profiles actually balance each other out. I'm just saying, I'm grateful that the church has got some seasoned believers, but it's also got some sweet new converts who have just given their life to Christ. And I'm so grateful because they actually balance each other out. 
because the seasoned believers are, are full of wisdom and the, and the sweet new believers have got this passion and sometimes the older Christians can be wise, but they tired. Like I've been doing this for 30 years. I'm tired. But then you got them sweet new Christians that are passionate, but they crazy. You ever pray with a new Christian? Some of the stuff they say, you'd be like, oh, that's not, we don't say that in church. Let's keep the only F word to father, okay? But I love that God, God mixes them because, because, because the old people need passion and the young people need advice. And so God takes Christians at different levels of maturity. I love that the church is not just intergenerational, but it's also multicultural. Yeah. When we got some chocolate Christians up in here. I'm grateful we got some vanilla Christians up in here. I got no adobo, but. <laughs> we got some spicy Christians up in here. Spicy. And he mixes them all together because God loves mixing. I, I think the church is a kitchen because God loves throwing a party. Reread your Old Testament. It isn't just all about commands. There are like seven different parties that God says, you have to do this party or I'll kill you. <laughs> Not that extreme, but yeah. I think God loves a good party, y'all. And a church ought to be fun. Anybody else believe that? Listen, if Christianity is boring to you, you ain't doing it right. This thing should be fun. It should be a blast. I think church is a kitchen because God loves to serve. And you need to know that if you're contemplating being a part of our church, we don't believe the church exists for us who call it home. We believe that we are the church and we exist for those who have not yet called this home. We believe that we exist to make Jesus accessible to anyone. That's why we're here. It's our mission to be in the kitchen cooking right alongside God. But the number one reason I think that church is a kitchen is because God, boy, he loves cooking. God loves cooking. God loves taking things that look like nothing and making something. Yeah. And you know how you know he's cooking in your life? Because it's a mess. You know, you step into the kitchen and you got your know, sugar over here and salt over here. You got something burned on the corner. You got all the dishes piling up in the sink. When you walk into a messy situation, something's cooking. God told me to tell somebody whose life feels like a mess, be encouraged. Something's cooking. Come on, tell your neighbor something's cooking. Tell your other neighbor something's cooking. Yeah, the question is, what are you cooking, bro? And forgive me, Father, for calling you, bro. But what are you cooking? Because a lot of times when the chef starts cooking, you will smell it before you see it. In other words, for people in this room, there is something inside of you that senses God's up to something, but you can't quite put together the pieces. So what are you cooking, Lord? Good news is that he tells us in his word, Jeremiah 29, let me show you what the Lord is cooking. That was a wrestling reference. So. Who caught it? Who caught it? Who caught it? All right. The Lord. Anyway. <laughs> Jeremiah 20. It's third service. I'm having fun right now. Anyway. Jeremiah 29, 11. Here's what he's cooking, y'all. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. 
plans to give you hope and a future. I'm going to tell you what, just because your life is a mess doesn't mean the cook messed up. It might be a little spicier than you like it. It might come out a little bitter than you prefer. Maybe a little more salty than you would enjoy. But I give you God's word. If he's cooking it, it's good. It's good. It's good. And so now that you have the picture of what God wants to build, that's good. Anytime that you begin baking or cooking, you got to open up the cookbook. There's always the picture because you got to have some hope for all the work and the sweat that you're going to put in, right? You need to know that after you do the right things the right way, you'll get the right outcome. And so, so, so for a lot of us, though, as Christians, the bad news is all we have is a picture. We, we have the picture, but not the product. We have the hope, but the reality doesn't match our hope. Let, let me put it another way. We got the husband, but the husband don't match the picture. Oh, you laughed a little too hard. Little too hard. And we look at him and we look at the picture and we look at Jeremiah 29 11 and we go, uh uh. You said good. You said prosper. You said no harm. Sometimes we'll have kids and the kids don't match the picture. Lord, you said they were arrows in my quiver. But they are like thorns in my side, Lord. This is not matched the picture. Sometimes you can graduate from college, get in a career, and it's not the career that you had the picture of in your mind when you get out. And when, when the reality doesn't match the hope, when the product doesn't match the picture, let me say it this way, when the expectation doesn't match the experience, we think something's wrong. And I just want to tell you, nothing's wrong. You're just missing an ingredient. You're just missing an ingredient. But before I can tell you the missing ingredient, here's my first point. Make sure you have the right ingredients. Just make sure you have the right ingredients. Put it up on the screen. Make sure you have the right ingredients. You know, it would be so silly. Put it on the screen. There you go. It would be so silly, if you can imagine this, if I, if I, if I got this and, and, and I make this and then out comes this. And then when it comes out, I go, oh, man, oh, I wanted vanilla. <laughs> Why didn't it come out vanilla cake? Oh, God hates me. I hate vanilla cake. <laughs> what do you mean why it's not vanilla? It's not vanilla. Because you put in cocoa. If you put in cocoa, expect chocolate. Let me say it another way. Don't be surprised when life tastes like what you put into it. You put that in there, bro. That's why I came out that way. I hear people tell me, because I'm the pastor, so some of the guests to me, I wish I could be more connected at church. I feel that. I feel that. It's not always easy in a place like this, three services, for, to get connected. But my response to that is, but what are you doing to get connected? Are you in a small group is my only question. And then the answer to that is, no, I'm not in a small group. I don't like to get around people who know my stuff. <laughs> well, then, 
Isolation is not an ingredient for community. It's not an ingredient. People, some people hate their jobs. I hate my job so much. I hate my job. Well, then, complaining is not an ingredient for joy. If you want a different cake, use different ingredients. If you've been in our church for some time, you know that I have a history or had a history of wrestling with pornography. And I have had to do some things in my life to make sure that that was a battle that I had won and I keep winning every day because I still fight it. And, and one of the things that I've had to do is, one, I stopped watching movies that have nudity in them. And then the other thing I did is I limit my social media time because sometimes it doesn't matter who you follow, the Explorer period, crazy stuff shows up. And so, and so I, just, I just had to, here's what I did. I stopped fighting the sin and I stopped using the ingredients. Some of y'all need to stop fighting the sin and just stop using the ingredients that make the sin. Because I, I understood that if I keep watching that flesh and that skin, that, that too much flesh in means flesh out. And it's not just in the bad, it's in the good too. Like if you want to be healthy, there's ingredients for that. Diet, exercise, sleep, like those are the ingredients, right? So, but, but what's a bad ingredient? It's fried chicken. It's not a good ingredient. And I don't mind if you eat it. Just don't eat it and then be surprised when you go to the doctor, you've got high blood pressure. The doctor's going to ask you, what are you putting in? You want a relationship that thrives? There's some ingredients for that. You know what I'm saying? Come to church together. Pray together. Go on date nights. Have sex if you're married. <laughs> These are ingredients that help a relationship get strong. You want to be closer to God, y'all? And I know if you're at church today, a part of you has to want that. There are some ingredients to build up a passion for God. Yeah. Serve on a team. Yeah. Get in a small group. Don't miss a Sunday. If you get sick, watch online. How about this one? It shouldn't be controversial, but for some sects and people it is, start tithing. Giving the first 10% of your income, which is what the Bible teaches, because the Bible says that where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So maybe investment is an ingredient. Yeah. If I put that in, then I'm going to get passion out. Don't front like, like your most favorite pair of shoes in your closet are not the most expensive. It is, right? Why? Because there is an investment connected to that product. When you invest in the kingdom, you're passionate about it. But having said, and, and so, so, so God can do a lot, okay? God can do a lot. He can make a lot with a little, but there's some things he can't do, all right? He, he's good at taking ashes and making beauty. The Bible says he can do that. He can take empty vessels and make them filled. God says he can do that. He can take dead things and make them alive. The Bible says that he can do that. But you know what God can do? God can't take disobedience and make discipline. God can't take apathy and make prosperity. He just can't do that. You got you to put some stuff in. However, all that being said, that's not even what I want to preach to you about today. I'm not talking to the people that aren't doing those things. Because the people who aren't doing those things, your sermon is already over. Do those things. You, you feel me? You don't only get in the group. Do it. You know, you, 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 you want a, a better marriage? Invest in it. Do it. Here's, here's what I'm talking to. A, a, a frustrated group of people, hear me, who are doing the right things, but not seeing the right results. Today's message is for anyone who has got the right ingredients. They mixed it all together. And they don't understand why after adding the egg, adding the sugar, adding the salt, what they have in their life does not match the picture. Yeah. 
They got all the ingredients, but it don't match. And they're, and they're frustrated, and now they're only left to one of two conclusions. Either one, the picture is bad. In other words, God's a liar. His promises for my life are not true. What the Bible says is not real. So either the picture is bad or the recipe don't work. What he says in his word, the way he says to live, I've done all those things and it still doesn't work. Let me encourage you today. You are not doing the wrong things. You are missing an ingredient. And what is the missing ingredient in this batter right now? The missing ingredient to turn this into this is heat and time. Said differently, time in the fire. Here's why this is bad news for you. You came to church today to figure out how you could get out. And God sent you a word about staying in. Heat and time. Can I give you another word for this? The missing ingredient is, put it on the screen, perseverance. What turns batter, if there's anybody here who feels battered by life, situations, struggles, trials, what turns batter into baking is perseverance, heat in time, time under pressure. And this is what we miss about Jeremiah 29 11. This is what we miss about Jeremiah 29 11. Remember I said it's the most misinterpreted by, yeah, God's got plans for you and they're good, but can we read Jeremiah 29 10 for a second? Because there's some context here that you should know about before you build your life on God's promises. Verse 10 says, and this is what the Lord says, when 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will come to you and fulfill my good promise to bring you back to this place, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, to give you a future. But go back to the beginning of verse 10. When the 70 years are completed, if you need some historical background, the Israelites have been taken into captivity by Nebuchadnezzar and the empire of Babylon. They've lost their home and now they're slaves in the oven. And what God says is when 70 years are up, then you'll come out. So the promises will happen. The picture will come to pass, but not until you're done cooking. So I got bad news and good news. The bad news is you can't leave. Stay there. <laughs> the good news is, but in 70 years, it'll all be over. <laughs> oh, that's not good news? For some of y'all, you're like, well, Pastor, I'm trying to get pregnant, so 70 years is a bit long. <laughs> Biological clock and all. So. <laughs> no, 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 that's great news. I'm not saying that God's going to deliver you from that situation in 70 years. I've come to tell you that he's not going to leave you in the oven forever. For the Israelites, it was 70 years. But for yours, it might be different. I wrote it like this. If you could put it in your notes, because somebody needed to hear this. Your trial has a timer. Yeah. Who am I preaching to this afternoon? Who needed 
needed to hear this that thought that they would never be rescued from their situation, that their addiction would follow them their whole life, that their struggles with money would be with them and their children and their children and their children. God sent me here to tell you that your trial has a timer. It will not last forever. One day it will be over. For the Israelites, it was 70 years. I don't know what yours will be, but it won't last forever. Come on, somebody. Your trial has a timer. You'll come out when? When you're ready. And only the chef knows that. Perseverance does a couple of things in your life when you're in the oven. Number one, perseverance purifies your motives. James 4.3. Perseverance purifies, it purifies your motives. And when you ask, you don't get it because you did the wrong thing. Is that what that verse says? No. You can't be doing the wrong thing because you did the right thing. And when you ask, in other words, they're what? They're praying. Is praying the right thing or the wrong thing? Not a trick question. Right, right thing or the wrong thing, praying? Right. So you're doing the right thing. But you're not getting what you ask because your motives are all wrong. You want only what will give you pleasure. I wrote it like this. You can put it down in your notes. Sometimes you can pursue the right things the right way, but for the wrong reasons. And God will not give you the thing that you're asking for until your heart gets right. The first meal Liz ever cooked me for in our relation, our marriage, in our marriage, the first meal she ever cooked as a wife, the first meal I ever ate as a husband, I guess because we're Latinos, was rice and chicken. And she made a big old chicken leg. And when I mean big old, I mean it was one of them big old chicken legs. So she cooked it. And I couldn't tell if it was overcooked or undercooked because Spanish people will use this thing called sazon, which just means all of our food looks orange. <laughs> so she put it on there so it looked good on the outside. It even had, it was even hard on the outside. And then I took my fork and I put the fork in the chicken. And when I put the fork in the chicken, the only way I can explain it to you is in sounds. When the fork went into the chicken, I heard <laughs> chicken should not make sounds. It's not like crackers. You know what I'm saying? Like, this is a silent food. <laughs> chicken is cooked well when it's quiet. You poked it, poked it, it went. And then when it went in, I said, uh-oh. Because as, as nervous as she was eating it, I was as making it, I was eating it. I'm like, we both on trial here, you know? I got to respond right to this. So, so I thought, you know what, though? I'm going to be the supportive husband. I'm going to eat it. So I took a bite. When I bit it, blood started dripping out the sides. Juices came out. I said, babe, nah. I said, I'm sorry. She was embarrassed. I was embarrassed. It was a great start to our marriage. Then we ordered pizza, and then it was on. The crazy thing is that because if you've ever cooked a big piece of meat, you know what? You got to let it sit, right? Because if you put it in the high heat, the outside will cook fast, but the, it takes longer. And even though the outside looks good, the inside could be raw. You have to understand the reason why God's got you in there so long is because even though you look good on the outside, and even though you're doing the right things on the outside, there's some things on the inside of your heart that God still got to get right on the inside of you. And if you want to cook chicken thoroughly, you got to cook it slow and long. 
and stay in there until the rest of you comes out. Listen, the reason why some of us, some of us are, are still single is not because you're doing anything wrong. That's one of the greatest misconceptions ever. What's wrong with me that I'm still single? You don't have to be doing anything wrong. You're living life. You're going to school. You're getting a job. You're saving up money for your own home. Do you, girl? Do you do? You're doing great. I think the reason why is not because we're doing anything wrong, but because our, we want a person in our life for the wrong reasons. We want someone in our life so that they can complete us and make us feel loved. Loneliness is the motivation for companionship for so many of us. But God is saying, until you come to a point in your life where you are so loved just with me, that you are overflowing of love, that love is bursting out of you, that I need someone else in my life to share this love with, that's when I'll bring this person. And I'm not talking about sex, okay? Because some of y'all are like, yup, I got a lot ready to burst out of me and I need some more people in my life. No, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about when you're ready not to sleep with somebody, but to serve somebody. I'm ready to lay my life down for somebody because that's what marriage is. It's about me loving someone else enough to lay down my entire life for them if they need me to. Yeah. You got to get the motive switch. Then, then it comes in. Then it comes in. Some of us, your business is doing just, just okay. It's not a breakthrough business, but it's just okay. And you want to get there, but it's just okay. You know what's keeping you from going to that next level? Your motivation for success. Your motivation for success is personal success. It's money, it's gain. And God says, when, you're, when your motivation shifts from gain to generosity, that's when your business will see new levels of blessing. Not when you think about how much money I can make, but about how much, how much jobs, how many jobs I can produce for other people. I want to take 10% of my, my money, my income, and I want to sow it into missions and plant churches and do all these things. God is waiting for your, for your motivation to switch from gain to generosity. Let me give you something really practical. If you're pursuing something and you're not getting it, don't ask yourself, what am I doing wrong? Here's a new question. If after you've asked that question and you're just like, no, I'm doing everything right. I'm doing everything the Bible says. I still don't see it. Here's a good question for you. Why do I want it? Let this be the question you ask yourself when pursuing something. You're doing it the right way, the right things. It's the right thing to want, but you're not experiencing it yet. This is the question to ask yourself. Why do I want it? Because motivation has a lot to do with it. Perseverance perfects your character. Perseverance perfects your character. Perseverance perfects your character. James chapter 1, verse 2 through 4. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces what? Come on, 12 o'clock. Produces what? So let perseverance what? Let perseverance what? Let it finish. Don't take it out of the oven. Let it finish doing what it's doing so that you will be perfect and complete, not lacking anything. There's another ingredient that I didn't add to the batter that's super important. It's called baking powder. Does anybody know what baking powder does? Baking powder makes the cake expand, which is crazy because we have this idea that heat can only do two things to an object, burn it or melt it. But if you have the right ingredients, heat doesn't just make something burn. It doesn't just make something melt. With the right ingredients, heat can expand certain things. God told me to tell somebody who is in the fire, who is burning up, who feels like they're not going to make it, who is asking the Lord, what did I do to deserve this? This is your answer. You're not wrong. You're rising. You're rising. My sister 
when she was born, when she was still in my mom's belly, my mother went to go get a test done. Back then, I guess the medicine wasn't so great or whatever, but the test revealed two things about my sister, Victoria. One, that she was Down syndrome. The test came back that she would be born with Down syndrome. And then the sonogram revealed that she only had one leg on the sonogram, one leg. Like the Down syndrome stuff I get, but you would see a leg. She went back to her church to ask for prayer. It was a different church back then, different time back then. The people in her small group said, when she told them the diagnosis, they said, what did you do wrong? What secret sin is in your life that, you would, that God would do this to you? They said, you need to repent. My mom said, I ain't repenting for nothing. I mean, I'm not perfect, but I got no secret sin in my life. So she went home and instead of repenting, you know what she did? She fasted and she prayed. And I don't know if you've met my sister, but she got two legs. <laughs> and average intelligence. I said genius in the first service. She was like, I was like, average intelligence. Yeah. And, but here's the story. That's not the story. The story is that years later, about 15 years later, my mentor, who was pastoring me and leading me, he comes over to my house. Him and his wife are having trouble with infertility. My mom shares with him the story of my sister, lays hands on the belly of his wife. They go back to Puerto Rico. She gets pregnant. Till this day, they credit the faith prayer of my mom. I just saw him last week. He said, where's your mom? He wanted to hug her because to this day, they credit their, their, their first baby's birth to that faith prayer. Now, why did you think my mother was able to pray with that kind of faith? It was a different kind of faith. That faith wasn't the same faith she had before she went in. But when she went in, and then when she came out, she came out with more faith than when she went in. So she was able to now pray for someone. Else. Here's what I'm trying to tell you. Your faith is not just being tested. Your faith is rising. Your strength is not just being tested. Your strength is rising. Your patience is not just being tested. Your patience is rising. It's growing. Because the thing God wants to do with you is bigger and greater and better. Rising. And here's what you're saying. I know what you're saying. But pastor, I've been in here for a minute. Oh, God, just let me out, please. I'm tired of it. When can I get out? I don't know. I'm sorry. I don't know. But here's what I do know. If you wanted to cook a turkey-flavored Hot Pocket, we call it turkey-flavored because I don't know if there's real turkey in there, but if you wanted to cook a turkey-flavored Hot Pocket, it would take you three minutes. I'll Google it. But if you want to cook a Thanksgiving turkey, it takes you three hours. So I guess I could just say, what kind of blessing do you want? You want to roll around these streets with a hot pocket blessing? Or you want to live life with a Thanksgiving turkey blessing? And if that's true, then maybe the people who have been waiting the longest should be the most excited. Ooh. Maybe the reason why you've been praying years for your brother to give his life to Christ and every time you get around him, it just seems like it's further and further away from his salvation. Maybe the reason why it's taking years is because if he just had a hot pocket calling, he'd be in church by now. 
but the calling and the ministry over his life is so great that God's got him in the oven for a little longer because he's not done cooking. Maybe the reason why you're not holding your child in your arms yet, but they're still in the waiting room of heaven is because if it was just a hot pocket destiny that God had over that child, it'd be one thing. But for them to be born and then their whole life to be, my parents waited 10 years to have me. Good God, the size of that destiny would be so great. It made sense why God had to have them in the oven. But pastor, I'm burning, pastor. It's been too long. I don't know if I'm going to make it. Let me encourage you. God is such a good chef. He never burns while he cooks. But I'm in there long. I feel like I'm getting charred. I'm not, I see the black going down all that. I'm getting a little crispy. Mm-mm. God knows exactly when to pull you out. Here's my last point. Perseverance protects us from being burned. If you need to leave here with one thing, here's it. You, Jesus will not burn you. You will not get burned waiting. You know how I know this? The book of Daniel. There were three men. Their names were Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They get thrown into an oven, literally. A literal life-size human oven because they broke the law. Nope. They did nothing wrong. They were good people. You see how all the sermons coming together right now? They didn't do anything wrong. They did good things, and they still get thrown in the oven. You got to imagine how confused they were. What did I do to deserve this? I didn't do anything wrong. I did all the right things. King Nebuchadnezzar closes the door. Verse 23, so Sadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, securely tied, fell into the roaring flames. But suddenly, Nebuchadnezzar jumped up in amazement and exclaimed to his advisors, "Uh, uh, didn't we tie up three men and throw them in the furnace? Yes, your king, we definitely did. It was just three. Well, look, Nebuchadnezzar shouted, I see four men unbound. Didn't we tie them up? But now they're unbound. Maybe another part of the fire what you go in with? Unbound. Walking around in the fire unharmed. I'm only shouting because he got exclamation points. And the fourth looks like a god. Spoiler alert. It was God. It was Jesus. Then Nebuchadnezzar came as close as he could to the door of the flaming furnace and shouted, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, servants of the Most High God. So Sadrach, Meshach, and Abednego stepped out of the fire. And then the high officers, the most important people in the land, the officials, the governors, the advisors, who all came around to celebrate the demise of these Jewish believers. Advisors crowded around them and saw that the fire had not touched them. Not a hair on their heads was singed and their clothing was not scorched. They didn't even smell of smoke. Not only are you going to get through it, but you're going to get through it, and it's not even going to be evidence that you even went through it. People are going to look at you and think that you're perfect and think that you got everything together because you don't look like what you went through. You don't smell like what you went through. But then when they get to talking to you and they hear your testimony, you go, you don't know what I've been through. I might not look like it. I might not smell like it. I might not seem like it. But I've been through the fire. And the only reason I wasn't burned up was because right along with me was Jesus every single step of the way. That is your testimony. Not that you didn't go through the fire, but that when you went through it, he was right there with you every single step of the way. Stay standing, stay standing, stay standing. 
Notice who got around when they let them out. I wrote it like this. God will not let you out when it's most convenient. He's going to let you out when it's most impactful. I know you... I know you want to get out right now, but I can't let you out right now. Why? Because all the haters haven't shown up yet. (laughs) I know you want to let out right now, but the demons, they haven't fully gathered around yet. See, they were coming to you for your funeral. They were coming to celebrate your demise. But here's what God does when the most people are watching. When your deliverance has the greatest impact on the lives of others which is mostly the time when you think you're going to die, that's when God opens the oven. Yeah. Are you ready? I wasn't even preaching about you this whole time. You don't persevere because you hold on. That's too much pressure. I can't live like that. If you just hold on, you'll make it. I probably even preached that at some point. Here's the thing. It's hard to hold on. Here's my rest, here's my peace, here's my patience, here's where I get my power from. Not that I persevere, but that Jesus perseveres. I love that. Listen to me. The reason why I wasn't burned up was because Jesus was in the fire. I love it that even if I let go of God, He never lets go of me. He holds on to me. Are you ready? Here's what I've been preaching this whole time. The real missing ingredient is not perseverance. Jesus is the missing ingredient. Always has been, is, always will be. Some of y'all are going through the fire right now and I just need you to open your eyes. You're not alone. You wanna feel God's presence like never before? Stop singing the worship song. Get in the fire. You will never feel God's presence like when all hell is breaking loose in your life. But in those moments, take my word for it, He is in the fire with you. Amen? All right, so I'm going to do two prayers. The second is going to be a prayer of worship for those who are believers. You're doing everything right. You got Jesus in your heart. You just need to hang in there. But the first is for those who still do not follow Jesus, but you're a good dad. You're a good mom. You're a good employee. You're a good person. You don't kill nobody. You don't rob nobody. But even with all the good things in your life, you and I both know you're missing something. The missing ingredient, brother and sister, is Jesus. So if that's you in this room, would you give those people a, a moment of, pri- of privacy? Would you give our fellow brothers this moment of privacy? Bow your head, close your eyes. If you want to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior and accept the missing ingredient, when I say three, shoot your right hand at the sky. Jesus, I need you in my life. All over this room, when I say three, if you need Jesus in your life, the missing ingredient, I want you to raise your right hand high on three. One, you need Jesus. It's been years since you made this profession or you've never made it in before. Two, forget about who's around you. It's between you and God. On three, raise your right hand. One, two, three, right now. Raise your right hand. Come on, online. Put it in the chat. I see those hands. I see those hands. Online, I know that you're there. God's ministering to you right now. Amen. If you raise your hand, I see them. Go ahead and put it down. I want everybody to pray this prayer with me, including the worship team. Let's pray. Jesus, I'm in the fire and I need you. You are the missing ingredient of my life. Today, come on, somebody say today. Today, I turn from my old life and I turn to my new life. I want to do things your way. I put my trust in you, Jesus. I accept you as my savior and my king. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.
We hope you've enjoyed this message, and we would love to hear your story and how this ministry is changing your life. Please email us at amen at journeyorl.com. And if you would like to support financially, you can give online at journeyorl.com give. If you're in the area, join us on Sunday for the full experience. Have a blessed week.